You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, friends. I am one of your normal hosts, Pastor Josiah, in case you couldn't tell. I'm sure you could. You're probably waiting to hear Ethan on the other end of the line. Well, tough news, friends. (laughs) Ethan's on vacation. We let him do that for some reason. So that's where he is on this recording day, and he's out. So we're doing something a little different, a little fun. We're It's a downgrade. <laughs> Lower you know, your expectations, I, people. You said that word, and every time anyone says the word downgrade, I immediately think of the Baptist theological downgrade in the 1800s Ooh, with Charles Spurgeon. Talking trash on him. Yeah, we're going to get into a whole rabbit trail <laughs> on this episode. They're like, what? It's, Ethan's not even there, and the banter's already stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> No. uh, Brought to you by coffee. That's right. Amen and hallelujah. In case you could not tell everyone, the man behind the curtain is joining us today. It's Zach McCord. Hi, guys. the guy who makes it happen. He's making it happen in more ways than one today. How funny would it be if I just edited myself completely out of this? Yeah, and it it made me sound like like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He would be like, Josiah needs help. (laughs) It's like that. Do you remember that... um, weird interview, and I use that with air quotes, that Clint Eastwood did with Barack Obama, like back in 2012, where he was just talking to an empty chair. Do you remember that? it sounds amazing. (laughs) That's what you're going to make me do. People are going to think, oh my gosh, Josiah's losing his mind. Yeah. This is actually probably more entertaining than the episode, so. Yeah, that's that's totally, I mean. Tune in for I the follow-up where, yeah. <laughs> where I just cut Josiah's audio and shift it around and make it sound like he make needs supervision. Make sound like he's out of his mind. Okay, see, now you've made me think. You're just triggering all these thoughts, but there's this moment in one of C.S. Lewis's novels, That Hideous Strength, where uh, everyone at this party starts, it's like the, the curse of Babel is basically cast upon them, and they start talking nonsense to each other. It's hilarious. It anyway, sounds like college. Yeah, that's, ironically, it's a sort of a college meeting, actually. So that's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. You just, if you all haven't read That Hideous Strength yet, you need to do that. I feel like when I'm on this podcast, we're not going to talk about anything. (laughs) That's actually the (laughs) secret. It's just 20 minutes of nonsense conversation. 20 minutes of banter, and then (laughs) we're like... Well, hey, go love Jesus. See ya. Yeah, have fun this week. Hope that wasn't too bad, you know. Don't do dumb things. Don't do stupid things. You sin, you stop it. Stop it, you know. Just like Paul said, you know, I'm, I am as a personal favor begging you sick <laughs> freaks to be normal for five minutes. Just no once, joke. please. <laughs> if you did that one time, I would be happy. The scribe's uh, like, you really want me to write that? <laughs> yeah. He's like, just all caps. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> all caps. Oh, man. No, well, we, we are going to have a little bit of a, hopefully, edifying conversation conversation today. I mean, hopefully the banter is edifying. I hope that's fun. I don't know. And we're setting the bar low with this banter. So. Yeah, that's, you know, you are you know what you're getting into when you listen <laughs> to the podcast. And you're that's, here on purpose. That's right. I mean, you, you're you subscribing or you're finding it, whatever the case may be. So, you know, you know what's going on. But Zach, of course, as you know, if you attend the Lost Creek campus, if you're at the other campuses, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I guess if you've been to Horizons United, you know this. I don't know what you know. Okay, here's the deal. Zach is our worship director. Okay, he leads us in the singing songs. Unless you don't like it, then it's someone else. <laughs> Unless you like, and then it's just evil twin. Yeah. Back. <laughs> back McCord. Back. We don't talk about back him. Discord. He's, he's not invited to family functions. <laughs> he's not, like Bach, but bad. <laughs> he drinks mushroom water instead of coffee. <laughs> he would never disgrace coffee in that way. <laughs> 
but he does our our music. He leads us in song. And so I thought we could banter a little bit back and forth around the singing of music and song in the church because as you may or may not be aware, no, you're aware of this. Music is an extremely important part of the church's worship. We've got obviously a whole book in the Bible, Psalms, which is just 150 songs. I I think it's easy to forget that. You know, we read those the Jews sang them. Mm-hmm. It was part of their temple worship. So that was their hymnal. Jesus sang those songs. In fact, I find it interesting. Somebody once called the Psalms the hymn book of Jesus. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's good. So you have that going on, but then you also have all kinds of commands repeated in the New Testament to sing. So like when Paul in Ephesians 5 writes to the church, he says, be filled with the spirit, singing to one another and addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So an important part of being filled with the spirit is singing, as simple as that sounds. In community. Yeah, that's right. With other people, addressing it to one another, you know, not just not just listening to a bop and playlist on Spotify. Everybody's but, like, Ephesians 6 says, put on your car radio <laughs> and jam out in private. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's, no. Sing together, edify one another. That's right. That's right. Your voice matters. So anyway, all that is to say is it's an important part. Oh, this is another reminder too. I always found this very fascinating that when the Israelites went off to fight wars, oh, yeah. the people that went out to the front were like the singers and the trumpeteers, you know? Like, yeah, go out with these mighty weapons, your voices, songs, you know, except that in the economy of God, that is a mighty weapon, oh, as yeah. it turns out. I mean, even tangentially, wasn't it Gideon that went into the enemy camp with vases and trumpets? Yep, that's exactly right. And that was what God used, to, you know, he instrumentally used instruments yeah, to, to cause bring chaos about within, yeah. within a camp that <laughs> consisted of more soldiers than a number could describe. Yeah. Described as more soldiers than there are sands on the seashore. Which, in case you didn't know, is a lot of sand. Against 300 warriors with (laughs) vases and trumpets. God was like, this is going to be my glory for sure. That's exactly right. There's going to be no mistake about that. So obviously then music plays an important role in the life of the Christian and in the life of the church. And I was reading something last night, actually, as of this recording. I feel like it's always important to mention the timeline. I don't know why. Everybody knows how this works. But um, last night, I came across this quote, and I paused over it because I'd never really thought about it in terms this explicit. But I actually generally tend to think I agree with it. Here's what it says. The musical tradition of the universal church is a treasure of inestimable value, greater even than that of any other art. The main reason for this preeminence is that, as a combination of sacred music and words, it forms a necessary or integral part of solemn worship. And the part that hung me up was greater even than that of any other art. Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at what the church has produced art-wise over the millennia, it's not an unimpressive catalog. Right. A couple decent paintings here and there. (laughs) Yeah, like we got some of the finest works of that kind of art painting in the world. The architecture, you know? Mm, yeah. There are other architectural styles than Gothic, but I'm not sure why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a, it's an R.C. Sproul line. But I agree with it. Like, you've got the architecture, the paintings, really amazing in forms of art. And yet, what this author was arguing is that it's the musical tradition that is the greatest. Like, not even close. And the reason he gives for it, I think, is worth discussion because what he says is is that it's a combination of both sacred music and words. Yeah. But I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this because I think there's a – and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but I think people sometimes get a little – 
freaked out by the thought of the term we would use is like emotional manipulation, yeah. right? Where it's like, ah, oh, like I don't want to be manipulated. And in a negative sense, right, right, of course, like that's not good. But there is a sense in which, to use his term, sacred music is meant <laughs> to manipulate your emotions in a good way. Right. I wouldn't even necessarily call it manipulation as much as I would call it amplification. Oh, that's a good term. I like that. Because the thing about music that's really weird, fun, interesting, all of the above, is it's kind of bi-directional. So hmm. what I mean is if you're feeling happy and you listen to a happy song, it can make you feel happier. It amplifies right. that feeling. But if you're feeling sad and you listen to a happy song, it can actually pull you a little bit out of that sadness into the mm, happiness. Yeah. And so I think the way that that translates into the context of like modern worship is if you are having a great day and you're feeling super thankful and you sing praises to the Lord, it's going to amplify how you feel and it's going to almost reinforce and solidify that thankfulness and that perspective. Mm, but yes. if you're having a really hard time and you need pulled out of that, the same thing can work. It can almost lift your spirits and remind you of who the Lord is, remind you of his promises. And that's just super unique. There's not really, I mean, you can't really go look at a building and be like, <laughs> dang, that architecture really makes me feel like my day is not as bad as it could be. Right. You know, paintings right. don't necessarily do that. Paintings can, but I think music itself does it really well. But also the fact that the lyrical content should point to the truth of the Lord. Mm-hmm. When those two things combine, it's unrivaled. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point you bring up, and I like that term amplification. And the idea that it's also training your emotions, I yeah. think, is the other sense of that, where it's like mm-hmm. like when Paul writes in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice, and makes that like a command, like right. an imperative. Like, you know, one of my first thoughts is like, well, I can't really... I can't make myself rejoice. Like yeah. that's got to be something that kind of bubbles up from within me, right? But there is a sense at the same time in which, to your point, music can actually cultivate that kind of rejoicing. Mm-hmm. It can train your emotions to say, this is the way we ought to feel. And it can also give expression. It's not always a word I like because it has weird connotations mm-hmm. of self-expression, but it's the only word I can think to use right now. But you can healthily express even like the sorrows and woes of your life. Like you go back to like the Psalms, like Psalm 42, where the psalmist writes, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Oh, like yeah. he's willing to acknowledge, okay, I'm downcast right now. Like things are not great. We need more sad worship songs. <laughs> That's right. We need more in the minor key. But even in that moment, he's saying, why are you downcast, oh my soul? And then he tells his soul hope in God. Right. Like he's training his emotions. Yeah, and he's not pretending that sorrow doesn't exist. Right. He's acknowledging, though I am sorrowful, yet still I have the Lord. Yes. And I think that's just such a different approach to our emotions, our affections, whatever term you want to use, Mm -hmm. and the way we operate in that realm to what, you know, modern secular individualism would want to say, where it's like, now your feelings almost become the dictatorial gods of your life. And what the Christian tradition says is, no, 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 like your feelings are important and you need to pay attention to them, but they also need to be trained. And that music is really uniquely fitted to do that. Yeah. And the other interesting thing that I think, especially with that term like emotional manipulation, we've talked about this with like physical expressions of worship, mm-hmm. lifting your hands yeah. or bowing down in, in front of the altar or whatever you find the most accurate expression of what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to be responsive. Right. And right. That right. That doesn't mean it's manipulation. <laughs> in fact, there are times where 
I'm just not necessarily feeling it. Yeah. And so I will lift my hands because I'm I'm not being manipulated in that moment. I'm choosing to say, yes. despite how I feel, I still want to and need to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to lift my hands. And it going back to that bi-directionality, like that opens my heart up. It it almost acts as a form of physical surrender, saying, like, I'm not going to choose to just stay in this funk. I'm not going right. to choose to stay in this melancholy. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing out loud mm-hmm. despite what's going on, despite who's around me, because I'm not here for the people around me. I'm here to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not to say that like the people around you don't matter, but right. the people around you aren't the object of your affection. They're not who you're trying to please. Mm-hmm. You're trying to worship the Lord. Yes. And when you aren't feeling it, but you do it anyway, you're not being manipulated. You're making right. a conscious choice. Right. And if we really believe that love is not necessarily just a feeling, but it is a choice, you are loving the Lord in doing that. Right. You yes. are expressing your love for him because you're saying, despite how I feel, I'm going to choose to do these things that scripture tells me are going to shape my heart and form my soul and bring me closer to the Lord. Yes. Yes. That is such a... That is a well-said point. I don't think I can say that any better. And that when you do those sorts of things, it does, I think, become an encouragement to the people around exactly. you. So I'll take a very concrete instance of this. So this past weekend, as you can tell, my voice is not great. <laughs> I, I had this That's not what you sound thing. like all the time? Yeah, I don't know. What's going on here? So this past weekend... I'd lost my voice and just, you know, it was I was trying to preserve it and not talk a lot unless I needed to, which is difficult for us pastor types. <laughs> what? We get started talking. Yeah, we can't shut up. <laughs> Point being, though, um, during the singing this past weekend, I was singing, but it was really quiet, you know, like for me. And I was, you know, trying not to unnecessarily damage my voice. And uh, that gave me a few more opportunities than I normally take to try and tune in and listen to the people behind me. And man... What a boon to my heart and my soul to hear the collective voices of however many people were sitting behind me and around me singing. Oh, yeah. And I could hear I could hear people sing harmony, hmm. which is unusual for me. Like, I, don't, I just don't normally Adam. stop to do that. Yeah, yeah. Adam <laughs> Kelly, if you're listening to this. But now, like, I could hear those harmonies. And I, there was something about that, like the author says here, that sacred music that just, just kind of lifted my soul to heaven and encouraged me. And then that fueled my praises and there's just there really is something to that and the way that it does strange combination of Mm -hmm. the three classical transcendentals are truth goodness and beauty right so like you were we were talking about like architecture right like i could go to a beautiful cathedral and i see Mm -hmm. beauty there right i mean you could also maybe make even a case for like moral goodness there where it's like you know like oh there's there's something about that that tells me there's order in the world right you know but like there's nothing explicitly true about a gothic cathedral right Mm -hmm. like it's not necessarily like maybe implicitly but like there's nothing that you would tag truth to that but i think music is so unique because i can't really think of anything else that combines truth and goodness and beauty all three of them in one thing where you've got the beauty of the music and the truth of the words right that stirs you to meditate on the goodness of god and to then live 
in light of that goodness. Right. It is absolutely amazing to me that music has that kind of power, you know? Oh, yeah. In some ways, it's a form of expression that goes to a place that words alone can't. Right. And I think that's why in like Revelation 4, the four creatures literally just sing day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, mm. who was and mm-hmm. is and is to come. Because, I mean, you could just say it. Right. <laughs> but there's something about tying in that emotional content that communicates it in a way that's almost more accurate. Yes. It's more in line with the reality of what you're saying. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, music's the same way. Like you could say yeah. lyrics to any of your favorite words worship songs. We just sang Reckless Love this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I sat here and said, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless Love of God, like, yeah, cool. But if I'm like singing that and it ties into that idea of recklessness, which here's another side, people got really crazy about that song and saying, oh, uh, God's not reckless. Look up the definition for reckless. It means without consideration for consequence. So like the Lord literally loved you so much that he was like, oh, I will send send my son (laughs) so that you have a chance to know me for eternity. Right, right. Okay. So if you use a dictionary, that song is actually beautiful and you shouldn't be that (laughs) But but like when you sing that and you realize in the midst of my own sin, in the midst of my own depravity, the Lord still looked at me and said, Mm -hmm. he's worth it and she's worth it. And I'm still going to pursue that person. Mm-hmm. Like when you're singing that, when you're pushing air from your lungs to to belt it to the Lord. Yes. It's different. Yes. And I think that's another unique part of particularly congregational singing. And that's where talking about the participation side of it, that, you know, you could listen to the music and it would be moving, right? Right. Like you can listen to a beautiful song and be drawn in to worship by it and touched by it, etc. But especially in the context of the gathered church, when you are involving, again, that's another thing where like singing together with the church involves loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength because it's like, you know, you're not just assenting the truth mentally. You're not just stirring your heart affectively. You're not just loving the Lord in your soul. You are using your body to take that all to the highest possible pitch right as far as truth goodness and beauty go so i mean david david did that when he danced right right he couldn't express or chose not to express in words how he felt he literally just had so much love and joy and emotion that he needed to move right right yes and i mean we we do the same thing you hear i mean it's such a, a trite example but if you're watching sports and your favorite team does something fantastic. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Stand up, lift your hands and yell. Right. Because there's no (laughs) other way to express how excited you are. Mm -hmm. And right. You know, faith isn't devoid of that, that necessitation for expression. Right. Yeah. It needs that. The problem is when you express that devoid of faith. Yes. That's when you get expressionism and and manipulation and and all that nonsense. Right. Right. Yeah. Actually, uh, here I'm quoting C.S. Lewis again. No one's surprised by this. I just need to stop. It's just like everyone knows. But he would talk about how there is this sense in which if you are enjoying something or you love someone, the experience of that enjoyment or love is not consummated and complete until you express it in praise. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, take your pick of whatever other term emotion it is like you have to. To it, get it out. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, in the book Love Does by Bob Goff. He mm-hmm. has, which, by the way, if you haven't read that, listeners, read it. It's really good. <laughs> Put um, that on your list. We got all we good. We're building a good reading list. Here. Yeah. Seriously, it's it's super. For someone who doesn't like reading, it was a really easy read. <laughs> 
But he says that he basically fell in love with his then crush, now wife, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and she was not about it. Yep. And he didn't know how to exist without expressing this emotion. So he made that girl a PB&J sandwich every day and put it on the windshield of her car <laughs> because he was like, I can't, I can't not do something. I yeah. have to express this somehow. I have to show what's inside of me in an external fashion. Right. Yes. And so... I just don't think there's anything like music and song for doing that in the life of the church Mm -hmm. and for the Christian and anything else in the world. I mean, obviously there are other forms of art and they're all important. Ought to be cultivated, developed, you know, I love architecture. Like I hope, I hope architects continue making beautiful things. Right. I hope they continue building Gothic cathedrals. That's what I hope. But Josiah then moves into a Gothic cathedral. That's right. I mean, that's, that's what I'm basically trying to do right now. I (laughs) bought those bishops chairs off of you from your thing. I got that in my office right now. Um, But singing, that is something we can all do. Right. Yeah. Not all of us are going to build a cathedral. Not all of us are going to make paintings like Rembrandt, but we can all sing. Yeah. (laughs) I think one of the things I want to, I don't know, it it breaks my heart, I guess is the way to put it, that, you know, in the age of, I mean, the massive talent that exists out there and the mass ability to listen to music. Andy Crouch, great author, he talked about how we have more access to music than ever and we listen to more of it than ever at any point in human history. But as generally speaking, we are less musical Mm. because, you know, it's like you used to have people like of an evening, the family would gather around the parlor piano and they'd sing songs. And like they weren't great, you know, like these weren't like professional musicians, but they sang together Mm -hmm. because there was something bonding about that. You know, in the church, it was like people just knew, oh, you sing. I think it, it breaks my heart for people who don't choose to experience that, yeah. that side of Christian worship. Because, I mean, there is so much that Christ has to give to us. You know, like when he, when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive, when you are giving praise to the Lord, he gives back. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that and I know that can sound trite, but yeah, he's giving you himself. Yeah. You know, like what else could you want? You know? And you're receiving truth. You're receiving edification. You're receiving yes. encouragement. Like, we think we sing because we ought to, and mm-hmm. we, we do. Right. But God is so generous that when we do what we ought to, he rewards us still. Right. You know, it's yes. not like, oh, you went above and beyond. Right. And I think people, they make up all these excuses for why. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a good singer. Right. You don't have to be. Right. You're not singing to impress. You're singing to praise. Right. And they say, oh, emotional manipulation. The Lord gave you emotions. Right. On purpose. Right. You're supposed to have those. Yes. You know, and in the same way, I mean, imagine if we did that with like preaching. Yeah. Like, oh, he said too many Bible verses. Yeah. Oh, he said too much, <laughs> too many, too many true things. <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah. Or like That's people right. would be like, well, I, could, I couldn't write a sermon like that, so I'm not going to listen to this one. Yeah. Like, right. No, we don't do that anywhere else. Right. But people are right. like, well, I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing. Yeah. Well, you're not singing to, right. to put on a show for anyone. You're singing right. to tell the Lord who created heaven and earth and sent his son to die for you. Thanks. Yes. Yes. And sometimes if that feels like a sacrifice, again, that's what scripture says. It's like, yeah, Dude. you're offering <laughs> you are offering a sacrifice. Hebrew says it like, let our lips offer a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving mm-hmm. to the Lord our God. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit, but that's what the author of Hebrews says. He's like, yeah, it's a sacrifice. And here's the other thing too, in closing here, as we, uh, we will see, look at that, Zach, we've eaten up all our time here. Oh look yeah. That's going. That's we have 41 minutes of banter. That's right. <laughs> But I know a lot of people, a lot of us, prayer is a difficult discipline for us. I get it. You know, it's a really mysterious, strange, hard thing to do. 
I believe it was Augustine. Surprise. Again, nobody else surprised. I'm quoting him. But it was Augustine, I believe, who said, the one who sings prays twice. So if you find prayer difficult, I think one easy way to get into it as a discipline is to sing. You know, like, oh, be thou my vision. That's a prayer. <laughs> like, that's yep. just, you're asking God, hey, be my vision. Help me see things the way you see them. Be my wisdom. Be my battle shield. Like, keep me safe till the day you call me home. Like, okay, sing that and make it your prayer. And you'll have sung it and prayed twice in the process. Bingo. So anyway, sacred music, inestimable art, beautiful. Well, thank you guys, as always, for joining us and listening. Thank you, Zach, for stepping out from behind the curtain and having a fun talk with me here. Yeah, love to do it again in another three years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been about that long, hasn't it? I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. I know how to edit things. Be back in 2026. Yeah, see you then. Oh, no, but thank you as always for listening. If you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. And if you did find this content helpful, you like the little, you know... Zach coming back. You want him to do it again? You know, you can no. leave us an honest five-star review. He's like, please don't. <laughs> you could even sing your review. That's right. Yes, yes. Put it in there. We would love to hear it. Love to hear it. Well, thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time.